Hi, this is Victoria Miracle and Happy Time, Happy Money Podcast. Working in a marketing industry, I recognize that the most often problem I hear is that I don't have money or I don't have time. And then I realized I can help you with both, so why wait? This is not your typical create budgeting spreadsheet podcast. My goal for this podcast is to spread education around time, money, crypto, blockchain in the simplest language possible. Tune in and enjoy. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Happy Time, Happy Money podcast. And I'm your host, Victoria Miracle. Today, we have our guest, Joshua Shigala. Shigala Joshua is a crypto veteran and the co-founder of Vautura, the answer to collapse of the biggest Bitcoin exchange in 2014, which failed for bankruptcy and lost its investors over 450 million. Losing his investment in the collapse, Voltura was born in 2015, building the first Bitcoin gold exchange to offer a fully transparent trading platform that protects people's assets in physical gold bullion. Those days, Joshua is also working on a solving inflation by working on a new stablecoin protocol called the Standard DAO. The Standard that will enable people to generate stable coins fetched not to fiat but collateralized by gold, bullion, <laughs> Bitcoin, and Ethereum. <laughs> we can explain what that means. And it's we like can... so small, but I, I made it through. Hi and welcome, Joshua. <laughs> hi, hi, Victoria. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to speak such a veteran in you know in the crypto industry as some as we are like so many of us are just a year two three but it's so so I'm so eager to earn from you and to for you to share what you know about it everything but before that we I would love to dive deeper more in you and your story on how you started why it was so interesting for you in 2014 and how the whole thing happened for you well yeah I mean Actually, it was 2000, late 2010 when I first uh, heard about it. And it, it came across my paper because I was trying to solve the similar problems already in a site that I had back in early 2000s, just after 2002, around about then, I was working on a site, the first site where people could swap clothes, mainly women could swap clothes. Um, so I was always fascinated with alternative economies. And... As this swapping site came out, I realized it was a really, swapping is a really terrible way of doing commerce because if my wife really loves that, that jacket of yours, Victoria, but you look through her wardrobe and you're like, I don't like anything you have, then the deal falls through. So, but there's a whole marketplace, right? So you might, my wife might like your thing and, but maybe she could give you then a a token or a credit, and you could then use that in, in other places. So we're back full circle to money. <laughs> and so I, I was already looking at how to have digital currency during that time. And I found what the cypherpunks were doing. And they were the ones that were inventing all the, the, the building blocks that became Bitcoin. And they were in this small little nook of the internet, which is weird and crazy, full of mathematicians and cryptographers. 
and they uh, and and they couldn't solve the single problem, which was how do you have digital scarcity? How do you solve the the double spend problem? And so the double spend problem is like basically if if I send you an MP3. I don't know, are you going to make a copy of it and then send it back to me? Like, that's just weird in the digital space, right? You're like, no, of course not. You just send it and you have a copy. Tori has a copy, you know, that's, it's fine. But to have true money, um, you need to have solved that problem. When I send you an MP3, I don't have it anymore. And you absolutely know that I don't have it anymore. But instead of an MP3, it's some money <laughs> and and so so i was I, I thought oh it's an unsolvable problem i'll give up i'll work on some other stuff but i kept my ear to the train track you know listening for sounds that maybe someone's solving it. and then yeah in late 2010 the white paper came across my table and i thought my god she solved the problem here it is this is it uh, satoshi nakamoto discovered the 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 holy grail of a digital currency and not just digital currency because most money is already digital but a decentralized digital currency a, a way of having money rare digital assets that can't be copied but that isn't part of the state isn't generated by a government or a corporation so for the first time we have the separation of money and state and this is a, a huge philosophical advancement, just like we had the separation of church and state. This was a big move forward in, in just uh, human philosophy that, that I, I felt the same way about this. And yeah, I've been diving down that rabbit hole ever since then and I'm working on Hello, Victoria. I think you're... Yeah, I was a little frozen, frozen but up. nobody cares because they don't see it. <laughs> I can hear you for sure. Yeah, I froze my internet a little bit. But so that is interesting because it's all like came out from, again, problem solution, right? The whole thing's about problem solution. And he created beautiful solution for people that is starting to come across. And how did you started your, why did you choose gold and, you know, in the Bitcoin? Like why, why is that combination? Yeah, so... So what what most people don't understand is that when you put money in a bank, it's not your money anymore. It it now legally belongs to the bank. That's why you're a creditor. You're 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 giving the money, and they promise to pay you back. And most of the time, that works out. Most of the time, that's great. You go to the ATM, and the money comes out, right? But as we saw in two thousand and eight, sometimes you have issues, and people on like in in Greece. Uh, they all of a sudden they couldn't take money out of the bank and we will see this happen again and again and again because it's happened over and over again in in history so so when in in the very first bitcoin exchange was called mount gox and it was a very it was a very sort of you know tacked together exchange that someone built we we were just a a weird little community that didn't really know what we were doing back then. You know, we just thought, wow, we're revolutionaries in the cryptos in this space and we're going to take over central banks. But this exchange, Mt. Gox, was the very first exchange and it um, it, it really, uh, it, it wasn't transparent. So nobody knew how many. So when you send your Bitcoin in, is it still there? Has it been hacked? We don't know. It's just the same thing as a bank. You go to click withdrawal and your Bitcoins come out until one day they didn't. 
they they stopped coming out and and so once when that happened and it was like I've forgotten how many it was a lot it was near a million bitcoin or something like that which was in in this exchange which is in you know the multiple of billions of dollars now and and so my first and this was actually part of a string of different centralized services that were just running off with people's money or were being hacked and i got really mad at that because it was like man you guys are ruining this this total revolution that's happening you know we don't need to stand in front of wall street and go occupy wall street like we just we you don't need to beg for change you just build something better and and leave the old thing to be obsolete and 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 that's how you have true change and here we have this thing that's truly change in the world and and these greedy people are just screwing it up for everyone because at the time you'd see headlines like the ceo of bitcoin runs off with everybody's money because the media didn't even understand bitcoin at that stage and so i was like this is enough i'm going to build an exchange that is ultimately transparent where people could always check this assets because the blockchain is transparent and i can talk about what the blockchain is later but we we then we then worked on how how do we how do we make an exchange that that is also backed by another rare asset rather than using fiat so when mount gox went collapsed a lot of people also had us dollars on that exchange but because they had us dollars that is actually on the books of the exchange so that meant liquidators came in they took it all for themselves and the liquidators have been and the lawyers have been gobbling up and having you know eating on that on those funds since 2013 14 so <laughs> so what you want to do is gold can be is a good right it's like a car or a couch or anything else you can have what's called a bailment contract which means that um this gold belongs to you but i look after it So I look after it in this high security vaulting facility and not just that a bank account is only insured to $100,000 um dollars uh euros here I think it's $250 in in America gold can be insured to however much you've got because it's a physical good if you've got 16 million dollars worth of gold you can insure that 16 million worth of gold and you can properly audit it you can count it uh whereas if you have money in a bank you don't know what the bank's doing with that money where well, what are they double like they they've bought this and weird instruments over here and they're in fractional reserve which means they have only a tiny amount of money compared to how much they owe and there's there's all these funny business with banks so it's a really simple model you come in with bitcoin you trade it for gold and then when you want to when bitcoin drops in value you buy back bitcoin and you trade between the physical thing that sits in a high security vaulting facility in switzerland zurich It, you know it's a great gold country it's been through two world wars and stayed fairly neutral so um so yeah that and that's where that came from and yeah we've been going ever since <laughs> wow that's amazing i love it i love that you're solving you know that also kind of vol- volatility problem because if you see like things are going down you can like move your uh, assets to your gold and you feel more secure right we all know gold we all feel yeah. more secure i mean nothing is secure but it does give us the safety feeling because we know it and yeah well you can't print gold out of nowhere 
you know. Yeah, exactly. It. And you know, we you also touched on right when you were sharing that the uh, magazine was saying, oh, the CEO of Bitcoin, right? But it's decentralized. There's no CEO. And yeah. Yeah, let's dive into more of like what what is it? What does it mean? What is a blockchain? And what does it mean decentralized? Yeah. So a blockchain, if you think of um, a ledger, you know, a ledger is a book and you write in transactions that might have happened, right? And all the blockchain is, is a public ledger that everybody can write in. And every 10 minutes, that ledger closes and, it, it, and a new one opens up. And the first line of the new ledger is the, is the, the number of this ledger, basically. The hash, the hash, the hash of this ledger. Mm -hmm. and, and so every 10 minutes, there's a new hash. And a hash function um, is, is a mathematical process. It's a one-way mathematical function. <laughs> that, that, what that means is that imagine you have a box and, and you can stick anything in this box, let's say a, a Word document, and out the, the other end will come a string of, of, of 124 characters, random gobbledygook. But it's, it's unique to this, this Word document. If you change one full stop to a comma and put it through that box again, a whole different string will come out. So why that's useful is that you can, in 10 years time, let's say you have that document and you need to go to court, you can, if the court's got the original hash, you can hash it again through the same box and go, look, I have never changed this document because the exact same hash came out. And it's a one-way function because you can't take that, that string of numbers, put it the other way and recreate the document that doesn't work. So, and it's a funny function because you can stick the library of Congress, like the, the whole, so much data through the same box and you still only get a 124 character string out. I know this is going a bit deep dive there for you, for your audience, but what that means is that to create that hash, that, that fingerprint basically of that document, there, there needs to be some computation. And so the blockchain works with a lot of computation. A lot of your users would have heard of mining and that's what that is. It's, 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 it's computing those hashes. And basically what you're doing is taking that book, that ledger, you're hashing what's in that book and you're taking that hash and putting it as the first entry of the next book. So, and then, and then if you want to change an entry in this, you actually have to like quickly do the same computing power. And there's just so much computing power in the world that you could just never do that. In fact, I, I calculated it um, about a year ago that if Google wanted to point every single bit of computing hardware that they had on earth, including every worker's mobile phone um, and all their servers and everything, you, you wouldn't even add 1% hashing power to the network. That's how powerful this network is. So to beat, to rewrite that ledger, you have to have 51% of the entire network. And Google, all of Google couldn't even get 1%. So it's a very, very secure network and nobody owns it and everybody owns it. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a very obscure thing. And, and weirdly enough, it's kind of its own perpetual motion machine because... because now that it's running, for the first time, we have a computer program algorithm paying humans to go and um, put more mining equipment and to, uh, and to create energy to pump into this network to secure it. So you've got an algorithm paying humans to secure the uh, autonomous and amazing. Yeah, that, and that's what's created so many more new jobs in the world. And 
that's what already created so many new jobs in the world and new professions and new just a new industry it's like decentralized finance what do you think what is your in your opinion what is lacking in our current stage of building fully decentralized finances invite you follow me your host victoria on instagram Give me some love by clicking follow button so you can get more tips on how to have a purposeful and profitable life. Link in the description below. And now we go back to our interview. So Bitcoin, I'm pretty sure everyone knows that Bitcoin is very volatile. What does that mean? That its price goes, yeah. And why does the price go crazy? The price goes crazy because it's in what's called a price discovery phase. So it's a new technology. Uh, most new technologies go through this phase that, you know, you invent some weird thing and you're like, bring it to market. And everyone's like speculating on what this thing's really worth. So gold has had like 5,000 years of this price discovery time. So now it's, it's fairly stable. Yeah, it's not super stable, but it's fairly stable compared to Bitcoin. Whereas Bitcoin, like, they're like, this could be the whole future of money one minute and the next minute china just banned bitcoin it's doomed it's gloomed and it's tanks down right so people are trying to figure out a how safe it is how secure it is how how usable it is uh, all of this stuff and over the over the years it'll start to hopefully become more stable but we're very very early on in this time and so so i think what's missing a stable algorithmic stable coins we have these uh, stable cryptocurrencies that are pegged to the dollar but it's like old school finances come in and gone hmm let's let's take over from this but what they do is they say hey i've got a dollar in my bank account and i'm going to issue a token that represents this dollar so whenever you come back to me with this token i promise to pay you one dollar and wow that sounds very much like a bank because that's exactly what banking was right original money paper money where does that come from it comes from people used to carry around a lot of gold and silver well silver because that was for the people gold was more for elites and and they carry on this heavy silver and they go to the markets and they get get, get the watermelon and they're oh, here and, and put this big bag it's very heavy so what uh, what they would do is they would take their their gold and silver to a vaulting facility the vaulting facility would give them a receipt saying, you have 1,000 grams of silver in our vault. Here's the receipt. Thank you very much. You can bring this receipt back anytime and claim your gold. And eventually what people did is instead of going back to the vault, they would actually just trade these receipts in the marketplace. And, and so that was very light. It was wonderful until the bankers thought, well, the vault operators thought, wow, we could just print. No, not everybody's going to come back at once and take their gold. So we could just print more receipts and we just start lending gold to people gold but lending receipts and asking for interest for gold that doesn't exist and they got so rich from this that that they would have castles and estates that even you know kings and queens couldn't afford and and so and then you had the french revolution where they, the the people got wind of what was happening and they started cutting off bankers heads and the and the voting up like, whoa 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 can we stop cutting off the heads <laughs> This is too much. So uh, I tell you what, you guys uh, talking to the, you know, the, the plebs, you guys let us continue doing this and we'll give you a little cut of it. So 
and that's where interest payments come from. So, so this sounds very much like what's happening now with uh, these, these stable coins where you have this company saying, hey, we'll, we'll hold the dollar here and give you the token and you can do fun stuff on the internet. But how many tokens are they creating? Are they just creating tokens out of thin air and then buying rare numbers like rare Bitcoins? Because there's only 21 million of these things where there's infinite tokens that they can create. So it's a very dangerous it's a dangerous section of of the whole cryptosphere and and so what we're creating with the standard is is a way to to create a decentralized stablecoin a mechanism where you have stability but it but it's fully backed by gold and crypto and this is another thing so oh excuse me <laughs> Ooh. how is um, the, how it's going to work though if it's backed by crypto then it, but crypto it's very volatile like i understand the gold point like but how is yep. it working with crypto yeah so so in a little like about 2 years after launching uh, voltora exchange a young kid called um, vitalik buterin came up with this concept for ethereum and and we were like, ah, it'll never work, Vitalik, you're an idiot. This is foolish. And it, and it works. It was amazing. This little whiz kid came out. With, I mean, it was a bunch of people. But so, so what, what Ethereum did was create this concept of a smart contract. Uh, well, actually, it's an old cypherpunks concept, but he, he actually created it. Now, a lot of people are like, what's a smart contract? Well, it's a fancy word for a computer program, really. The, the difference between a smart contract and a computer program is that a smart contract, a computer program runs on one single computer. You boot up your computer and you run it. The trouble is if you put money into your computer and it has a virus on it or a hacker's taken it, you don't know. It's, it's, you don't know if the output is correct. You don't know if a hacker's like said, mm, send that money to me instead of the the i don't know the cleaner or whatever the smart con whatever the program's meant to pay so what a what a smart contract is instead is thousands of computers running the same program and 51% of the computers have to have the same output because then a hacker would have to hack thousands of computers rather than the one so now instead of a computer program it's a smart contract and, and so what we're doing is allowing people, let's say with Bitcoin, to send Bitcoin into a smart contract and it, and it holds, it holds your, your Ethereum, let's say. And because you've, let's say you put in a thousand euros or dollars worth of Ethereum, what you can then say is, okay, this smart contract will let you withdraw or generate 50% of that value as a stable cryptocurrency. So inside this contract, this stuff's going up and down as long as it doesn't drop below 50% of the value, in which case you get to keep the dollar and this thing gets liquidated and people buy it up. But if it stays above, you'd never get to, you never have to sell your crypto, but you get to borrow money from yourself instead of a bank and uh, be able to buy a car. In fact, I bought a car, I bought a beautiful car for that in exactly in that way. I put Ethereum into a smart contract uh, it's called over collateralized, meaning the collateral that you put into the smart contract is more 
than the value you're taking out. And that difference between where you took out and how much extra you've got, that, that it can be as volatile as it wants in there, as long as it doesn't drop below that, because then other people have to come in and, and buy that. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens. But this is how self-lending happens. So we can remove banks out of the system mm -hmm. while having stable cryptocurrencies backed by rare assets provable because everybody can see into these smart contracts it's a it's a total transparent ledger and imagine now there's 10 trillion dollars worth of gold bullion around the world five trillion which sit in private hands and i just victoria i'm sorry i, I go on and on i, I don't let anyone i think you're going with a, a very good order of explaining things and it's it works <laughs> That's oh, good good <laughs> Yeah, we will so, have to wrap up soon, but that, to finish your thought, I'm, I'm curious. All right, I'll finish my thought. Yeah. A lot of people banter around the word billions, and a lot of people banter now around the word trillions. Mm -hmm. And I just want to give your listeners a bit of perspective of what those numbers mean. Because I think it's, I think people lose touch. They can't comprehend how large these numbers are. Mm -hmm. So a million, if you counted a million seconds, it would take you 11 days to count a million seconds. You'd be like, one, two, okay. You'd be there for 11, 11 days, right? If you counted a billion seconds, you would be there for 32 years. So instead of 11 days, you're there for 32 years. If you counted a trillion seconds, you're there for 32,000 years. Okay. And so when like the national debt oh we're going to print another trillion dollars in like they're being gaga land and and um and so just going back to the gold thing there's 10 trillion and 5 trillion gold so what we're doing is allowing people to tokenize that gold into smart contracts borrow stable things that are pegged to like the dollar the euro the yen all sorts and the good thing then is you're creating your own gold standard effectively we don't need to wait for governments to create a gold standard. We can create our own. And that's, that's, what, the, that's what we're doing at the standard.io. And that, I think that's brilliant. This is a, such a great solution of, you know, yeah, when it doesn't go down much, but we all know crypto, it's very volatile, but I feel like when there is Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's already kind of more, more we know the value of it. It's probably, I don't know if it's going to go down to zero and nobody knows, but hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully yeah, if it goes to anyone near zero, I'll down. be buying. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much. It is such a great a breakdown. I feel like I was just listening and I love how easy you can explain things that are you know, people are trying to explain in like 30 minutes what a smart contract or like what is a blockchain or all the... Yeah. Uh, stable coins idea so thank you very much that was very valuable and how our audience can find you and where they can get on hand um, you with can your go... creations <laughs> thanks victoria yeah you can just go to the standard.io you can find us at vault oro that's vault like a gold vault and oro which is spanish for gold vaultoro.com um, you can find me on twitter at J Shigala, which is J and then S C I G A L A, um, is my Twitter handle. And uh, yeah, I talk all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff on there and you know, teach people the latest.
Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for coming on. And uh, if you are listening or watching this on YouTube, just definitely give us a like or comment or any sorts of appreciations. We appreciate you very much and stay tuned. I'll see you next week. Bye, Joshua. And bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for the listening to this episode. And if you love this podcast, please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review. And of course, you can get in touch with me everywhere online at happytimehappymoney.com.